folks, welcome back to the Get Start Podcast. I am extremely excited for today's episode with my good friend, Deb Vogasari. She's in the studio. Debbie, how we doing? Good. Thanks for having me, Derek. Of course. I've been hoping to, to record one with you for a while, and uh, we were talking about podcasts not too long ago, and yeah. you mentioned coming on, so we're, we're making it happen, and I think a lot of times on this podcast, we have it as more of a conversational deal, but today I kind of want to give you an opportunity to share your story, and just for a little background, Debbie was a tennis player at Houston. She was a Cougar, and then she transferred over to the University of Kansas and was a student athlete here for a year. Um, and yeah, so how about, let's go back to your childhood. Okay. Born and raised in Greece. Yes, I am from Athens, Greece. I was born in Athens. My whole family is in Greece. Um, I have a few relatives in the U.S., and that's why I decided to come here for college. But yeah, born and raised in Greece. Heck yeah. So, so what was it like? What were your parents like growing up? What would you say their, their leadership style was? Oh, wow. Um, well, I had a pretty great childhood. Uh, my parents were pretty amazing. Um, I have an older brother who's five years older than me, and I think that kind of played a big role in my life because I always had kind of a protector from a really young age. Um, my father was a very successful businessman, um, he taught me everything I needed to know about business, and he's kind of the most influential person in my life, I would say. I go to him for absolutely everything, other than relationship advice, obviously. <laughs> uh, well, he's got a successful relationship with your mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's true. Um, but yeah, he has been a big factor to every kind of decision that I've made uh, up till now. Uh, my mother is one of the sweetest person I mean she has been just so supportive of everything that I've chosen to do um and she's just been there for me I mean I remember in high school or in middle school I had to because I went to a school that uh until I was 16 that you couldn't really uh, skip classes because of other activities so I had to practice because you know by the time I was 16 I wanted to be a professional tennis player so two hours a day is not going to cut it so I had to practice in the morning, I had to work out in the morning, and then practice and work out in the afternoon, and so my mom would uh, take me to school in the morning, then I would, she would come, wait there, she would pick me up at nine, take me to practice, take me to um, workouts, and then drop me off at school, and then pick me up again at four, and have my food ready in the car, and take me to practice, and away from there practice, so, I mean, it was thanks to her that I was able to, you know, have a pretty good tennis career up till I was 16, 17, because she was, you know, I was her number one priority. And so, yeah, I mean, my parents always pushed me to, you know, achieve anything that I could. And um, obviously in Greece, it's kind of a more, um, I would say, males are more dominant Mm -hmm. in uh, Greece. Um, But my father would always, you know, tell me the sky's the limit. And go for everything. So, yeah, they I had a pretty good childhood growing up, and my parents uh, gave my brother and I everything that we wanted. Um, and I went to one of the best schools in Europe, and it's it was a pretty great childhood, now that I think back. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. 
And I'm glad that you're getting the opportunity to reflect on it and mm-hmm. establish some gratitude for it all. And I think that is something that a lot of people don't recognize is that for a lot of athletes to get to that division one level or play professionally, they need parents who are all in and are supporting them not only financially, but emotionally. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that that's the biggest, that was the biggest thing for me. If I didn't have my supportive parents, then I don't think I would have been able to pursue tennis this far. I mean, my father worked maybe 12 hours a day, but he was always there for my most important matches. And I mean, always there to give me advice. So, yes, I mean, they he provided me with everything because he worked really hard, but he was also there for all of my special moments. Um, that was a big deal for me as well because you, you can't do this alone. No, no chance. You can't do life alone. And I think that, I mean, I witnessed that last spring when, when your parents came to America and, mm-hmm. and they were here for some of your matches. I don't know if they made two separate trips or if it was just that one trip that they were here for. Uh, well, they came initially uh, when I first moved here when I was 18. Mm-hmm. They came. Uh, we took a one-week trip to New York, and then they came, and they stayed with me in Houston for about a month or so. Um, and then they came again for my uh, senior day. Yes. Semester. Yeah, that was pretty special. That was really special. That was fun. And, and we got to also hang out and go and grab some some food with them and, and you guys and we had a pretty unique story that came from that, <laughs> but we, we don't need to dive into that. No, we won't dive into that on this podcast. That'll be for the next podcast. Um, but so, so you grew up in Athens, a population of around 665,000 people. Yeah. What is that like? I feel like I, you just get lost. Um, no. Well, that's what everybody said also about Houston because it's so big. But when you're in Athens, it's a beautiful beautiful city but um I was confined to the upper half of it I would say so my school and my practice were all in the span of maybe half an hour so you don't really move all around Athens I mean if you I live closer to the mountains um but so if you want to go to the beach or if you you know want to go to the kind of the south side that is an hour away but I mean it's you know Easy access to everything, 20 minutes away, everything that you want. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't bad. The traffic is pretty bad. But, you know, growing up, it was – was, I'm a big city kind of girl. so That's I for sure. That. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of funny because you have come from two cities that are vastly larger than Lawrence, whereas I've come from a city of 12,000 and then a city yeah. of – 50,000, so this is the biggest place I've ever lived. So our perspectives are totally yeah. different. Yeah, it definitely takes some adjusting, but I, I wouldn't have it any other way, I think. I've had the best of both worlds in a, a big city in Europe, a big city in the U.S., and a small town in the U.S., so kind of gives you a good perspective. Yeah, so now you'll just have to spend a little time in a town like Fort Atkinson, and then you can really know what it's like in a small town. <laughs> Fort Atkinson? Fort Atkinson, Atkinson. Wisconsin. <laughs> oh, 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 wow. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you would not. Days, you'd huh? be miserable, 100%. <laughs> yeah. So I want to dive into your tennis career. I mm-hmm. feel like that is kind of goes along with the theme of the podcast, and I'm just wondering when you started playing tennis mm-hmm. for the first time. 
Uh, so I come from a pretty athletic family. I mean, you can't tell now <laughs> because my parents uh, don't do a lot of physical activities, but they were, <laughs> sorry, Dad, but they were pretty uh, athletic. And so they, I did plenty of sports and my brother did as well. And they saw that my brother was a bit talented. Um, not, I mean, he was okay in tennis. So, you know, I grew up on a tennis court uh, watching yeah. my brother play. And my uh, parents were members at this very nice country club. And, um, you know, I would, you know, grow up picking up balls for my brother. And so I started playing and I, you know, was pretty talented. And then, again, as I mentioned, I went to a school that didn't really let me... Um, it was just very demanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and so by the time I was 12, 13, I started, you know, bringing in good results. So I decided I was going to take this a bit more seriously. So when I was 13, 14, I started practicing maybe every day. And then when I was 16, I changed school. So I went, I w- initially I was at one of the best schools in Europe, um, I've been there since I was five years old. I made my friends there. My brother went there as well. Um, it was just a beautiful experience, but uh, I had a dream, and I had to choose when I was 16 between either going um, full academics or sports. And so I changed schools when I was 16, and I went to a public school. So one thing that uh, people have to understand that they don't know is that public school is schools in Greece are terrible. Mm. Uh, So um, that was a major, major adjustment for me. Um, But it was great because I could uh, skip the first two hours of uh, school and practice in the morning and then practice in the afternoon. Uh, But my time there, I wouldn't change anything, but you know, it wasn't what I was used to. So I, but I was happy with the decision that I made because it brought me to the U.S. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That I mean, that that's a lot to process there. Um, it's very interesting to hear you say that you kind of have to choose academics or sport. Like yeah. Maybe even before you realize whether you're going to have that opportunity to play in college. Oh, absolutely. Because it's, and that's why the system, the sports system in Greece is so flawed because at 15, 16, you have to make one of the biggest decisions of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, and especially at that young age, you don't know how, good you can be in your sport, you know? So when you're 15, 16, you kind of base it on not how much you like it, but how good you are. And when you're 15, 16, I mean, that you don't know how good you can be. So, yeah, it's it's a flawed system, but um, with the guidance of my parents, you know, I was talented. I had brought in some very, very good results. And, you know, there was... I wanted to be a professional tennis player at that point. So I said, you know, academics are going to be there. Um, I'm just going to take it easier on academics for the last two years mm-hmm. of high school and then uh, see where tennis takes me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So growing up, did you ever participate in any sports outside of tennis? Um. Yes, but I was pretty terrible. I mean, I am athletic, <laughs> but... Uh, I saw I you did... shoot hoops last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not pretty. Uh, but yeah, no, I did everything. And I also did ballet as well and dance. Um, but I mean, after uh, I had 13, I think tennis was my only focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you definitely specialized. You you went all in. Yeah. I mean, it, you can't really do it any other way. If, if that's what you want, then right. I can't be doing, you know, 
tennis four hours a day and then soccer on the side. Right. Yeah, yeah that's not realistic. Mm-mm. Yeah, I wanted to ask you your thoughts on youth sports specialization. Like, if you think there's an age where it becomes uh, okay because I also think that there's a lot of value in having kids play a variety of sports. They can build their skill set that oh. might apply to the sport that you want to go all in uh, absolutely. on. Absolutely. And if I had the choice, I would probably, you know, play soccer and basketball uh, for about two, three more years than I actually did. But the good thing about my school is that we played a lot of sports. Um, but I definitely think that, you know, you should have your kid play every single sport available and then kind of narrow it down to two, three by the time they're, you know, 11. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's you pick a sport. And if that if that kid is talented, then you go all in. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So did you realize pretty early on that college was kind of a, not only realistic, but kind of a inevitable for you? Mm-mm. No, I did not start thinking about college until I was 17. The reason that I changed schools was because I wanted to be able to play pro tournaments. And the thing about tennis is that's different with every other individual sport like golf is that you, especially women, you can only play tennis until you're 30. So your 18 to 22 or 17 to 23, 24 are the most important years. So I just didn't want to waste 16 to 18 by practicing two hours a day mm-hmm. um and so that's the reason why I changed but when I was 17 um obviously I mean you know my father he's very big on education yes and so is my whole family and by the time I was 17 I started getting some offers from schools and I hadn't even thought about going to the U.S. I had an amazing life in Greece and I was very comfortable and I was very protected and I always had everything that I wanted and I couldn't imagine living somewhere else And so I started getting messages, and I spoke to my father, and he said, I I mean, this was basically his decision, but I trusted him so much that I, you know, we spoke about it, but I'm like, if you think that this is the right decision for me, then I will do it. Um, And he said, tennis is going to be there. I mean, you can drop out of college if you want after your freshman year if you think that you can make it, but there's just so many things that could go wrong. I could get injured. I could not be as good, which is was a very big possibility. I mean, I was good, but are you that good to be in the top 20 and make a lot of money? Um, so there were just a lot of risks associated with me going pro, and especially with a family that puts a lot of emphasis on education. I mean, they sent me to the best school in Europe. I didn't want to throw that away. And so, yeah, and so I decided to start looking at college a bit more seriously. Uh, But you don't think, coming from Europe or coming from a foreign country, you don't think that college sports are important. Mm. You know, I had the attitude of, you know what, I'm 500 in the world and I'm 17. There's no way that this is going to be tough. You know, Mm. but you get to college and you realize, wow, the level here is a lot higher than you expected. Right. Yeah, college sports are almost glorified as much, if not more, than professional sports in America, depending upon the sport. Yeah, so coming into this, I had no idea, and I came to visit, and I kind of saw that, you know, these people mean business. (laughs) No doubt about it. It's big-time business, billion-dollar business. So uh, what schools showed interest in you? I'm assuming if you were 500th in the world as a 17-year-old, 
there was a, a lot of universities that were dying to have you. Um, yeah, so I was, I looked at a couple of schools uh, very seriously. I had actually verbally committed to TCU. Wow. Yeah. I, mm, I don't know why. One of my good friends from Turkey, uh, she had committed there as well. And I really liked the coaches and the school. And I really liked the fact that it was a private school because uh, I grew up in a private school as well. Um, so I would say TCU in Houston. And I had a couple of more offers. I don't remember. It was such a long time ago. Um, but what, those were the schools that I was looking at more closely because I had relatives in Houston. And so my mother, she felt more comfortable sending me somewhere where there was family close. Yeah. But yeah, I had tons and tons of offers, but... Those were the two that I looked at more seriously. Okay, that makes sense. And that's starting to paint the picture a little clearer for me because I can't even imagine being in a country like Greece and then just deciding, okay, Houston, Texas, that's that's where I'm headed. Yeah, it, it was it was scary. I mean, I you don't really realize that you're changing your life that drastically until it actually happens. So when I first came here, you know, I took not a lot of clothes. I'm like, I'm just going to be here four years and then come back. Or, mm -hmm. you know, you don't really think how serious this is that you're making life-changing decision unless it actually happens. So, yeah, it's tough, but I loved every minute of it. Absolutely. So tell me about your experience as a cougar because you were there for four years. Yes. Yeah, that's a long time. Hmm, so that's... Um, it's a loaded question, I understand. That's a, that, yeah, that's <laughs> a lot to it. And... Um, it's good that I get to share my story now that I'm done because uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I went through hell and back um, as a college athlete. Um, it was not a great time. I take that back. It was a great time. I would not change one single thing because it made me the person I am today. And mm -hmm. I loved my four years in Houston. I I mean, you know, I go back every chance I get, and I have yeah. friends there and family, and I just, if there's one person I could, if one place that I could live in, that would be in Houston. I love, love the place. Um, but I, so I got there my freshman year, and I, I struggled adjusting, uh, but not as much as my other foreign teammates did. Um, I had a coach that... Um, was very manipulative, to say the least. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, this goes, this is kind of obvious, but when you're good, when you're a good player, you have more power. Yeah. Um, but I spent four, two years, my first two years, watching my teammates live in fear of, uh, you know, having their scholarship taken away. Like, there were conversations of, you know, if you don't, lose this amount of weight then you, wow. know, you start looking for other schools so it was a kind of a tough experience um you know I also learned that uh, you don't reveal any sign of weakness because that your coach will probably take advantage of it or you know nothing can be said verbally everything has to be in paper or else that person will probably lie to you for example I was promised 10 professional tournaments a year my time in Houston, and that's one of the reasons why I decided Houston over TCU, because at that time I still wanted to play professionally, and I fought for one. So 
it wasn't what I expected. And uh, at the end of my sophomore year, uh, my coach, that coach was let go. Um, and then this other person came. Um, and at that time, I was just so in love with the university and the city that I did not, I couldn't imagine going anywhere else. Uh, obviously, my tennis wasn't at the point where it should have been. I hadn't progressed because uh, of training. Um, but I, I mean, Houston is where I wanted to be. And I had my teammates were my sisters, and we were all this big family, and we had each other's backs because we went through a lot the first two years. And so um, this coach came, and we couldn't see eye tie at all. Um, and it's and it's normal because that person didn't recruit me. Um, I didn't want to play for that person. Um, and so we were kind of just put together. Um, so that was tough. That was a very tough year, and that was the worst year of my collegiate career. I just... Uh, I just couldn't play at the level that I was used to playing. Um, and so by the time, after my junior year, I redshirted. You know, I got to my senior year, and I had a coach that I did couldn't see I die with, and I all my teammates transferred, um, and I was playing a sport that I didn't love anymore. Um, so I was very, I was kind of at a low point. So I played for three years for Houston as a Cougar. Um, and then I redshirted my senior year and never thought I'd play tennis again. Didn't want to play tennis again, uh, ever. Wow. Um, so I got an amazing, amazing internship, two amazing internships. One was uh, sales that summer, my junior year. And then I worked for the Houston Rockets for a whole year until May. Yes. And that was... <laughs> Go Rockets. Got to got to get the plug in. <laughs> and that was the most amazing year of my life. Uh, I think I didn't think once about tennis. I was so busy. I was so happy. Um, I was a senior. <laughs> and yeah, life was good at that point. But Heck yeah. Senior, yeah. So that's kind of interesting to hear that your junior year when you should be starting to like really come into your own is when you had your worst performance. And yeah. and we know that physically you were totally capable of more. Mm-hmm. So that goes to show me that the mental side of sport, oh, the mental the side of the game is so crucial. So, so crucial. I, I wasn't happy on the court anymore. Um, I would go to practice and I would dread going to practice because it's not what I love. And it's, it's just the worst part is that I used to, you know, I wanted to, make this my profession and now I just couldn't stand it anymore um yeah it was a sad time but I had uh, my teammates and we got through this together and yes most of them left all of them left actually um so I just and that's the reason why I pushed that long since my junior year because I had my girls you know mm-hmm. but you don't have your girls anymore and you're playing for somebody that you can't stand then you know, it kind of takes takes the joy out of it, and you're just left with kind of nothing. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. Yeah, there's a lot of power in shared suffering and going through those kinds of experiences with yeah. people that you're close with. So I'm glad that you at least yeah. had those girls to get through oh, it with. Absolutely. And, and now, I mean, we're we're on the other end. You've overcame the obstacle, and you ended up coming to the University of Kansas. And I'm wondering how that process 
began? Like did, did Todd and Caroline reach out to you or had you played against Kansas and started to build a relationship with the coaches? So I knew Todd uh, for my freshman year. I don't remember him. I'm, I don't remember his name. I just remember this big guy <laughs> that was super ginger. Um, <laughs> and I remember coming to Lawrence. I actually played uh, here, um, I think it was my junior year, my sophomore, sophomore year or freshman year. And we played at the Genesis Club. And I remember that because there were only five courts. And I was like... There's only five courts, and we had to wait, and there was a thriller match. Uh, I think we lost that match, but, yeah, I knew Todd a long time ago. And so my senior year in December, I actually got contacted by my previous coach uh, my first two years. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what sparked the idea. And I was like, I really don't want to play tennis again, but I do want to get a second degree. And... I was good at it, and I think I have much more to give if the circumstances are right, if I play for people that inspire me. Um, And so I kind of started looking at it more seriously and getting, spreading the word, and then the painful, painful process of getting my release uh, started. Mm -hmm. So that did not go as smoothly. Um, I was graduating the University of Houston. I was going to be an alumni in less than six months, and I was denied my release to, I think, maybe 75 schools. So I couldn't go anywhere in the AAC conference, which is normal. I couldn't go anywhere on our next year's schedule, which is tennis plays around 20 matches a Mm. year. I couldn't go anywhere in Texas where the big schools were. And I can go anywhere in the top 30 schools, which is ridiculous because I was a top 21 player. So it was kind of absurd for me to go anywhere but in the top 30. Right. Uh, so I had very limited choices. Um, and I appealed. I appealed because um, I wanted to stay in Texas because my family was there and I love Texas. Uh, but I had a person that only knew me for a year that didn't even recruit me have the biggest say in my career. Mm -hmm. And I got rejected the appeal. And it was kind of crazy to me, especially I fought so hard for that university and I stayed there when the going was tough where I could have gone anywhere I wanted. I was mistreated the first two years and so was my whole team. And then the fact of me graduating, being in the alumni... And I still was uh, denied my release for 75 schools. But I'm very thankful for that because it brought me here. And, um, you know, Todd and Caroline are pretty amazing people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, especially after what's happened to me, I believe everything happens for a reason. Yeah, no doubt about it. And a lot of people that listen might not know, but the Kansas tennis program is really on the rise. Mm -hmm. You know, like you said, Todd is, he's kind of galvanized the program and not only bringing you in, but also having Nas and Nina Mm -hmm. and Yannette. There's just a lot of talent. um, And it's a really exciting time for the program. And so before uh, we jump into what you're doing right now, Mm -hmm. I kind of want to talk about last season and, your experience here as an athlete at the University of Kansas and the fact that, so you were a number one at Houston for three years, Mm -hmm. but then you come to KU 
and you're the number two because mm-hmm. we've got Nas, who's like preseason number one and yeah. a rock star. So yeah. what, what was that like? Um, so a lot of people have asked me that. Um, I have pretty big ego. Um, I'm kind of, and I'm also very prideful. Um, but when you spend three years being the best player on a mediocre team, you kind of want more, you know? Mm-hmm. So I told myself, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this well. You know, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go to a top school, to a top program, and I just want to get the experience of what it's like being a top school. And I was okay with playing number one because I would played three years as a number one. I, And that's one of the reasons why I didn't progress because I didn't have any competition during practice. I knew... I had a bad week of practice or, you know, I was injured or something happened. I knew that when Friday and Sunday came that I would be number one. So that's kind of one of the reasons why I didn't get any better in my years in Houston. And so I come here and Nas is an amazing player. Um, And so I don't don't care about playing number one. I I just wanted to win as a team. I wanted to you know, finished the season as a top 10 team. I wanted everybody to know that, you know, we're here to stay. So, yeah, there wasn't any, I didn't have any issues with that at all. And um, obviously I play, I always played a lot better when I was, you know, I played a lot better as my time, as I played number one Mm -hmm. for Kansas uh, than when I was playing number two. But all I could think about is that, you know, I just want us to be good as a team. I've had I've had an individual career because that's all I had in Houston, uh, but here, you know, I just want to win as a team. One hundred percent. And then, mm-hmm. so, kind of part of the story is halfway through the season or close to, Nas had a rib injury, mm-hmm. and she was unable to play. They thought her season was done, which she was able to somehow come back and play in nationals. But for the rest of the season, you stepped into the number one spot mm-hmm. and. I still remember having a conversation and everybody seemed so discouraged and like oh. the season was kind of wasted yeah. and you know, it's a big challenge to go from playing as the number two where you were like basically a, a you know, the, our second number one mm-hmm. and now you had to go against all the other number ones, but you rose to the occasion and you, yeah. you never lost. Yeah. So I, Todd really helped me with this. So I go to his office when I heard that Nas would probably be out of it for the season and I just sit down and I'm like and I cuss (laughs) and I'm like oh my god how could this happen you know this was a year where we could be you know the sky was the limit like how could this happen and so he sat me down and he's like that's exactly what my thoughts were for the first one or two hours but then I thought you know there's no use in thinking like that you know we still have seven absolutely capable girls and we can make a great season and I remember that and like yeah there's actually nothing we can do and I have maybe three months left of college tennis I'm gonna make the most out of them and he he was just so great he that that conversation kind of changed my perspective and then we went and that weekend we beat Texas Tech which I think was no, ranked number nine in the country I can't really remember exactly uh, and we shut them out Four zero. Wow. I'd never been done before, and that kind of gave us. I, we needed that because that kind of showed us that oh shit, we can actually do this. Right. You know, um, yes. I mean, we could. There's always this thought in my mind that what could have been, 
if Nas was playing, could have we been top five or would everybody else get complacent and not be able to perform as well in the lower spots or, you know, what could have been. But I think all the girls did a great job of stepping up. I mean, they knew that, you know, no BS now. So we all just went into the court and we're like, okay, we're going to have to do this and we're going to have to perform as well as we can. And that's what we did. And we needed that win. And that showed us that we can, we can still be very successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really easy to play the what if games, mm-hmm. but it's also important to try to avoid that because obviously there's nothing we can change about the reality of the past. Absolutely. So, yeah. and and that it was really a, a transformative experience for you in the program to lose the leader in NAS. Granted, we have more than one leader, mm-hmm. um, but then for like you said, everybody to kind of step up and yeah. rise to the occasion, and I think it was kind of like a motivational or inspirational experience because you can kind of get complacent in mm-hmm. your role. Absolutely. But when somebody's gone and then you have to fill in and kind yeah. of absorb more responsibility, yeah, it can help you. Yeah, and that's and that's the part of being an athlete. That's kind of that's what came out of me at that point um that you know what I'm all eyes are on me right now. I'm playing number 1 and I have big shoes to fill. So, yeah, I rose to the occasion cuz I that's what I enjoy. I enjoy the pressure. Or else you're not an athlete if you don't enjoy the pressure. Right. Enjoy the pressure, the good competition, and you just kind of have no choice but to rise to the occasion. Right. So, yeah. so you were only at the University of Kansas as a student athlete for one year. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious, what what was your favorite or what were some of your favorite aspects of, of that 12 months or so? So I can't help but compare. Um can't help but compare my my experience in Houston and my experience in at KU and as far as how I was treated as a student athlete at KU oh it's it's amazing I mean this administration is pretty special because even though I was only here for a year even though I was new even though I was coming in as a 22 year old grad student 21 at the time, 22-year-old grad student, um, (laughs) I was treated the same way as people that had been here for three to four years. Um, And I think that's very special. Everybody knew my name. Everybody, it was kind of just such a supportive community that I had not experienced in Houston. Obviously, Houston is a big city and has a lot of universities in the area. Um, but the support system is just so amazing here, and not only by the staff, but the town and the people here. And I think that was my favorite part, just, you know, walking down the street and having people, you know, say, oh, you know, I watched you play. And yeah. knowing my name and knowing my results, and that was that, that made me feel really good. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, people love their Jayhawks. It's like a religion they here. They do, yeah. It's 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 a lot different, but I think that's one of the reasons that makes this school so special. No doubt about yeah. it. It's a great community, and they mm-hmm. say once a Jayhawk, always a Jayhawk, yeah. and obviously you're a part of that. Yeah, but I also am a Cougar, and I love my Cougs <laughs> so much. Um, I'd never trade those four years, but it's it was just great to finish off my career at such a prestigious university and have 
the experience of what it means to be a Big 12 student athlete. Yeah, and not only a Big 12 student athlete, but uh, you were all Big 12 first team singles. You were the Big 12 (laughs) newcomer of the year. I mean, you won a lot of awards, too. You had a, a very... Yeah. prestigious and honorable senior season. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was good. Um I it was it was kind of made me feel that I could do anything I put my mind to it because I didn't play for a whole year my senior year. I didn't touch a racket for about a year. Uh 370 days to be exact. Wow. Um and I came back and it was the tennis part is not that hard to get back into. Uh, I mean, if you're talented, you're talented. You just need two, three weeks. But it's the mental part and the fitness part that is just brutal to get back into shape. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, I mean, Caroline and Todd, just we took things slowly for the summer. And then, you know, one of the things that Caroline um, would always say to me is, you know, we have a standard and we're not lowering it for anybody. And... Yes, our season is starting, so, you know, you have to put in extra work, and I did put extra work as far as my tennis is concerned, and um, they were always there for me, and, you know, it was kind of hard getting back into it, especially for my regionals. Uh, I did, that was the first tournament that I did very well in, and I would always think, you know what, I, I did, I'm not playing as I used to play my junior year, like I... I'm not at the level that I used to be, and I would always have this down in my mind. Um, but they were, you know, they would tell me, stop thinking about the past, you know. Mm-hmm. You're here, you have eight months of tennis to play, and that's it. What are they going to be? What, Carolyn always used to say this to me, what legacy are you going to leave? That kind of stuck with me, and I said, I can't really change. I mean, time, time <laughs> doesn't come back, so just stop thinking about the past. And, and so... Yeah, I mean, I had a good career. Towards the end of my uh, last year, I think I was playing the best tennis that I've played ever. Hmm. So they really helped me get to that point. No doubt. Yeah, and I really wish that we could have seen you at the the national tournament. But yeah, you know. that was that was pretty heartbreaking because I, you know, I was feeling pretty confident. But no doubt, all time high. Yeah. And, can you do? You had won 11 straight matches, is that correct? At the, like, you finish, you finish, most people, most athletes, they finish their careers with a loss, or you yeah. finish your season with a loss. Yeah. 99% of athletes and teams. That's it's just true. those one, that one player who gets the championship or one team. Yeah. But you finished yeah. on I, top, really. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm glad I finished like that. I was, I felt good about myself. I felt good about my tennis. And so you never know what could have happened in that tournament so could have been good but it also could have been bad so yeah you know you just kind of have to look at it both ways but whatever it is and you know it was a good good career (laughs) yeah absolutely so what what would you say you're going to miss the most about being a student athlete um so what I'm kind of because I went through this one more time when I was done with tennis after my junior year. Um, and then again, I'm going through it now. I'm going to miss the structure, you know, and the support system. When you're a student athlete, you always have somebody to talk to about anything. 
you need help, you know, schoolwork, uh, academics, uh, you know, medical stuff. Um, and you know you also have your coaches that are always there for you and your teammates. And I'm lucky to have both Todd and Caroline still in my life and a big part of my life because I see them every day uh, and my teammates. But the biggest part that I'm going to have time adjusting with is structure. Now I make my own schedule, you know, and that's kind of hard, um, especially when you're used to a really structured by the minute program mm. um, and having other people push you to be the best you can be. Um, that's kind of what I'm trying to get myself to um get on track this year because I don't have a structured program. I don't have somebody pushing me to be the best that I can be every day. And so you kind of have to be your own coach in a sense and uh, be my own Caroline and Todd, um, which is, which is, it's a hard thing to do, but yeah, it's a, it's an adjustment definitely going from a student athlete to just a student and not in the real world just yet because mm. I graduate in May so I have this year where I'm just a student and it's uh, it's kind of takes some adjusting yeah for sure I mm -hmm. think time management organizational skills being proactive kind of type a but that's not going to be hard for you I know that in due time you're you're going to yeah. get your your processes so in order. yeah and I'm excited to get into the real world now I mean it's been six years of me constant studying and um I think I, it's time for me to actually get these things called a J-O-B <laughs> and uh, what's that? see what that's about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going you're gonna to thrive doing that too because, I mean, as a student athlete, like you said, you loved the pressure, you loved oh, the competition. Absolutely. Well, what is business? Bus yeah. Business, there's Ex pressure, there's competition. I would, I would never, never take away my times as a student athlete. I mean, and you can see it. A lot of people don't see this until they're completely done with uh, their sport but I had the chance to see it my senior year where I stopped playing tennis uh, but also got back into it a year later um, being a student athlete you're just so different from everybody else I mean if you're not 10 minutes earlier you're late if mm. you don't you know submit uh, a project for your boss two hours earlier I mean you, it doesn't feel good um always on top of things, always punctual. Um, abs I mean, great communication, great time management. Um, it's just, and I saw that because there was another intern at the Houston Rockets, and I would just see the difference between us. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was just, I, I would thank my career or the fact that I was a student athlete because I would look at, and I mean, sweet girl but you know just not really on top of things and mm -hmm. not didn't really think there were any consequences but if I'm two minutes late to practice not only do I run until I throw up so do my <laughs> teammates so there's a lot of accountability yeah um and that's kind of the that's kind of what I don't want to say it, normal people but non-student athletes yeah common students yeah they don't really they don't really understand so it's just, you know, it's, I feel like student athletes are very well equipped by the time they're 
done with our sport. Definitely. And that's the power of sports right there. That's one of the most beautiful aspects of it is the way it can shape people and uh, create kind of the whole person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what we try to do in KU Leads is help to develop those kinds of things so that yeah. when people are no longer student athletes, they're not lost. They're, yeah. they're able to uh, channel those energies into different arenas. Yeah. Um, so you've been done for six months now. Yeah. Fill us in, like, what's what's been going on? I know you're up to a lot of different stuff. You're finishing up the MBA. Mm-hmm. And you've also got some tennis hustles going. Mm-hmm. Um, so I graduated in May with my MBA degree. I always wanted to get an MBA. Actually, that's a lie. My father always wanted me to get an <laughs> MBA. Uh, and obviously, my father, as I said is always right, Mm. as I've come to know in my 23 years. He's always right, and I'm thankful that I listened to him um, because I've learned a lot in this program, and it was really hard trying to balance an MBA degree and uh, last year of being a student athlete. Um, But it was very interesting, and now I'm a full-time MBA student. um, And... You know, you kind of say that you'll never play tennis again whenever you're done. A lot of people say that, but I'm at the courts almost every day, and I help out as much as I can. Uh, I I mean, I, I love my coaches, and I love the team, so it's always fun being around them. So I help out with them kind of as a volunteer slash helper slash grad student slash former player that just likes to stick around um so I'm doing that um and I am also studying for um I'm kind of wanted to take a different uh, route um this year so I'm just expanding just to see kind of what I'm good at and what I like so I'm studying for to be a realtor um, just, yeah. you know, studying the book and um, thinking of taking the test in May just to kind of see what, um, if I if I have any talent in it or not. And then, yeah, I'm interning with the marketing and communications department at KU. I'm kind of the marketing person for the tennis team because I believe, one of the reasons why I wanted to do it because I believe that this team has so much potential uh, and especially this year. And I'd like to have somebody that um, knows the team well enough to be able to promote it. So I help out with marketing communications for the tennis team. And it's kind of all over the place and kind of a, you know, busy schedule, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, that's kind of who you are mm-hmm. so much. That's amazing. I didn't know the realtor stuff. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I ever told you, but my dad was a realtor. Really? Yeah. No, I did not know that. Yeah, he did commercial real estate. And okay. I actually wanted to get into it, and I always asked him, like, if he thought it would be a good idea, and he always pushed me. He's like, just follow your passion, chase your dream. Real estate will always be there, which I'm glad that he kind of pushed me away from it because Uh I think maybe at some point I could get involved with it on some level. Yeah. But the experiences that I've had I think are far more um, powerful and aligned with who I what am want, yeah, yeah and what I want yeah, for sure absolutely. but yeah real estate's fun I mean yeah. it's it's a very potentially prosperous industry to get exactly. into exactly exactly and so I, I'm what I've found out and kind of figuring out my strengths and my weaknesses uh, these past uh, six years 
in school, um, I'm good with communication and um, I'm good with people. And I, and I, I worked as a, my first internship was door to door sales, which was yikes brutal. I am not gonna lie, that was kind of that was three really tough months for me. But again, I learned so much from that internship. Um, it was it was kind of I don't want to say embarrassing. But it kind of it is. Was, yeah. When you feel when you feel like you're selling your soul. Exactly. Like all these network marketers on Instagram. Exactly. But it's like I went at my territory and I went from door to door, knocking on the door. And that was my first internship. And I would get mistreated by people and they would look down on me. And obviously they don't know me. They don't know what I've done. And I've never been looked down before in my life. I mean you know, I've had a successful tennis career. I come from a very good family. And so, you know, it was kind of hard to see how mean people can be. And mm. so that really changed my perspective. And then I, the first two, three weeks were brutal because it was also long hours and I had to be in the office. I didn't have to be in the office. I wanted to be at the office at 5.30 whenever my boss would come. So I would wait for him in the parking lot at 5.30 a.m. and not get home until 8 or 9 and and it's just, it was, but that, I mean, I would call my mom crying and she would tell me, come home, it's your summer, don't worry about that now. And I'm like, no, I want to do this for me. And so I pushed through for the first three weeks and then it kind of became easier and I got promoted as well and I got to train people and I got to hire people and, you know, I kind of understood that, you know, being an athlete and not cracking and not giving up and just pushing through and being able to take out all the negativity um, and, you know, kind of find that through sales, if your goal is to help people, then you will succeed. If your goal is just to sell something Mm -hmm. and it's just not the right fit for you. And so I just, you know, it was long hours and, up to this day, I still keep in touch with my boss because he was also a student athlete. And so he kind of got where I was coming from that nobody has ever talked to me like that, you know, and nobody's ever looked down on me like that. And he, you know, he just took me by under his wing and he told me, look, this is going to be a life changing experience for you. And I just learned so many things about myself and how strong you can be when the going gets tough, mm. you know? Yeah, so. that's beautiful. I think that is really important too. It can help you kind of understand how other people, maybe minorities live yeah. every single day with the yes. way that people view them, judge them and treat them. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it was a tough experience. Heck yeah. So if you were to give advice to student athletes all across America about what they can do to help with their transition... So the transition that you're currently going through right now where you're no longer a student athlete, you're, you're past that phase, mm-hmm. something that you could tell them to make that process easier. Cause I know it's, it can be a huge identity crisis. Oh, absolutely. What helped me my first time through was I found something that I was head over heels for. I dove into my internship and I took all the energy that I had put into my sports. Um, I put it into my job 
and obviously sports is not an eight to five, nine to five kind of thing. You're always on the clock, always watching what you eat, always watching your rest, your sleep, mm-hmm. everything. And I took that into my job as well. Um, and so I'd say find what you love and with the same passion and hard work and perseverance that you put into your sport, put into your job. Because it's easy for us to get, for student athletes to get complacent, especially if you've had a successful career. You've been used to being pampered. You've been used Mm -hmm. to, you know, having everything you want at your beck and call. Not necessarily beck and call, but a lot easier than normal students have. Um, So your first job is definitely going to humble you. Um, and it's gonna tell you that, hey, this is a real world. We don't care that you were a, you know, freshman of the year or player of the year mm-hmm. in your conference. You know, this is, yeah, uh, this is not, we're not here to babysit you. And so kind of the advice that I would give to sum it up would be just find out what you're passionate about other than your sport and just all your attention has to be on that and just remember what made you successful in your sport and take that to your first J-O-B. <laughs> <laughs> the word job scares me. <laughs> Clearly. I love that though. That's really solid. That's really good. Mm-hmm. And I like the way you articulated that. Um, so looking ahead, you're finishing up your MBA right now, which is super impressive. You're, you're going to have your MBA at 23. Yeah. Um, obviously you want to go into business. Mm -hmm. Dad was a phenomenal businessman back home. Mm -hmm. You talk very highly about Greece. I've seen pictures. It looks like heaven. Yeah. And you're also super fond of Houston. Mm -hmm. What, what, what are you thinking? Do you want to go home? Do you want to stay in America? That is a very, very tough question. And I think that's kind of the thing that I'm battling with right now. So, I mean, obviously, I'm an international student, and I love the U.S. That's usually how it happens with international students. You, They either absolutely love the U.S. and never want to leave, or they just, it's not a good fit for them, and they want to go back home. For me, I love the U.S., and I love Americans and how they think, and I think the good thing about this country is that hard work is recognized, and so if you work hard, you're going to succeed, and you're going to make money. And especially with sports management and sports marketing, which is what I want to do, I think the U.S. is, uh, you know, perfect for mm-hmm. that um, industry. Absolutely. Um, and so I'm, I am going to start applying for jobs. And one of the things that I, I talk to my father about and he says is that, yes, America is great and this is where you want to be, but... The world is your oyster. Mm. And I'm in a position and I'm in and it's a scary position right now. I'm I'm terrified, but I'm happy because I do have options and I can go anywhere in the world and get a fresh start and gain other experiences. I I've lived in two countries and I've had a wonderful life in both of them. So what's to stop me from having, you know, going to another country and being able to build a reputation for myself and being able to build a good life. Obviously, I would pr- love to stay in the U.S., but if I find something that makes me happy somewhere else, I'm definitely not afraid to go for it because 
That's what happened when I went to Houston. And that's what happened again when I went to Kansas. You know, there's always something that would hold me back, but then I would tell myself, you know, you're a big girl now, and, you know, you can do anything that you put your mind to it. So, yeah, it's been it's been a, a struggle with kind of figuring out what I want from life. Um, but I'm confident in myself now with everything that I've been through and having lived in different countries and different states and... Um, yeah, so the scary part is, the scary part, but also the fun part is that I have no idea where I'm going to be in eight months from now. Mm-hmm. Could be in Europe, could be in uh, the U.S., could be in Australia, could be anywhere. Right. So. I can relate. Maybe it'll be in Germany with Flo. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. That's maybe. amazing. That's a great perspective to have, and I don't think enough people think in those macro terms enough. Everybody I mean, just stays are, focused. are scared. You know, and it is scary going somewhere completely different and having to start a life. That is, especially when you've had a comfortable life, you know. But what I urge all of my American friends is um, go out. Go out to Europe. Go go to a foreign country. You need that different perspective because then you can become whole. You know, you just learn so many things. And so, for example, Lauren, uh, one of my best friends, she is exceptionally smart and exceptionally successful and she's thinking of you know with her company that she's going to be working for maybe they're going to send her abroad and she's you know kind of it's kind of scary but I urge her go go see a different culture live in a different culture because it's different visiting and it's different living somewhere um you're going to gain so so many amazing experiences that are going to make you a better individual, but a a better professional as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. I hope she does that. I hope so It would be perfect for Lauren. Yeah, it would be. (laughs) Mm. So how about tennis? I know you just got done playing and you're kind of in your second retirement. Yeah. But I think MJ came out of two retirements, so... (laughs) <laughs> uh, well, my father's going to love you for asking that question. My parents have always wanted me to uh, pursue my former dream of going professionally, especially my mom. You know, she would always tell me business is going to be there forever. Desk job is going to be there forever. But, you know, go for it. Uh, I don't know. And uh, especially the last two months, I was happy. You know, I was playing well. And I don't know. Uh, I just feel like a my life has now has different priorities and yes tennis makes me happy but I think I've found another passion you know um so yeah I don't know maybe 20 years from now I'm gonna be banging my head Mm -hmm. against the wall saying that I should have tried to go professionally but for now it's kind of it's not what I want yeah, I understand that. I just hope that the fear of failure doesn't hold you back from chasing something that you've always dreamed of. Um, I think that's definitely one part to it. Um, I was raised for, you know, I was raised with two very successful parents as well. So, you know, the fear of success, of the fear of failure is always in my mind, and especially going to college. Yes, it was. You know, I want, I need an education. I want an education. But it was also of what if, you know, what if I fail? So that's always something that's in the back of my mind. Um, 
and it's definitely, you know, a tough thing to deal with. Um, yeah, that's that's a good point. Mm. Just, I guess, some food for thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you ever consider a career in coaching? No, God, no. I'm not patient enough. Mm. I mean, now that I'm kind of seeing things from a, a different perspective, uh, as a coach and coach, I wouldn't call myself a coach, but as somebody that's not a player and is there to help the girls, um, I definitely like it more the more I do it. Um, but also, I'm I'm impatient, uh, very much so, and um, I kind of. I do like instant results, um, so I feel like that wouldn't help me in coaching. But it's it's gratifying, and the it's it's a gratifying career. And I see it through Todd and Caroline how happy they are for helping us. And I always try to, you know, kind of express that gratitude. And whenever I win a match with her, I know that I wouldn't have won it if Todd and Caroline were not there, right there with me. I always tell them, you know, I couldn't have done it without you because, you know, Coach's job is just is really important. But for now, I'm not really thinking about it. I think I'm going to pursue my dream, and then if that doesn't work out, then maybe I could get into coaching because at the end of the day, tennis is my passion as well. Mm. Right on. Well, I very much so appreciate our friendship and, mm. and you coming on the podcast and you're so talented in so many different areas and I'm excited to see all the things you accomplish in the future. Thank you, Derek. <laughs> and, I, and just uh, <laughs> behind the scenes, I totally told him about two weeks ago, Derek, why haven't I been on your podcast before? <laughs> so I kind of blackmailed him into inviting me. But thank you so much for having me. And yeah. it's good to kind of share my story because I haven't ever gotten in such depth, um, mostly because I was still a student athlete, not uh, not too long ago. So uh, my career and my time in Houston and all of the you know, things that happened to me were not easy for me to express while I was still a student athlete. But it's, it's nice that, that I can share my story and all of the things that I've been through. And I think there are a lot of, similar situations out there that, you know, think that maybe college athletics are very glamorous, but it's it's a, it's tough, and you have to be really lucky for everything to go smoothly because it usually doesn't happen all the time. And, you know, it's also hard being an international student athlete, so if you're thinking of going into college athletics, I mean, just, you know... It's a tough ride, so be ready for a mm-hmm. bumpy road ahead. No but doubt it's about very it. gratifying. Lots of highs, lots of lows. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad we had an opportunity to record this, and you are the consummate guest. Like, you're exactly what I'm looking for, so I'm sorry that we didn't get to record it sooner. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but I'm sure it's kind of a cathartic experience for yeah, you to absolutely. be able to process everything and reflect mm-hmm. and whatnot. So that's awesome. Hopefully you all can get online and hit Debbie up on Instagram yeah. and Twitter. What, uh-huh. are, what are your handles? Uh, D Vogasari. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I don't use Twitter that much, but if you ever have any questions or anything, I'm, I'm here to help. 
Heck yeah. So, and before we, uh, we cut this, I want to give your first name a shot. Oh. So, so we, we say Deb, but her, her first name, when you look it up and you're trying to find her, um, her stats and stuff from, you know, the roster, the Kansas roster, it's uh-huh. Despeña? Despeña? No. Dang <laughs> it. I spelled it out. Like, maybe on. five times I've spelled it out for you. No. So my name is written Despoina. Okay. So D-E-S-P-O-I-N-A. But in Greek, O and I together are pronounced E. So it's Vespina. Oh, Vespina. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Good. Okay, I'm not going to forget it this time. After two years of friendship, we finally got my name. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, in my defense, you have always been Debbie. Yeah. You were in- introduced to me so. as Debbie. So, Well, do you have any final words? I mean, you've shared a lot of wisdom and insights with everybody. but um, No, not really. I'm... Again, I mean, I've enjoyed every, I wouldn't change anything in my career. All the highs and all the lows, they kind of make you to what you are today. And the the truest thing is for after every low, there's a high. At the lowest point in my life where I thought my life was over, when I thought that I'd have to either go have to go home, you know, I was either going to lose my scholarship or, you know, my life wasn't planned out the way I wanted it to be. Two months later, my life totally flipped around, and I am exactly where I want to be, and things fell into place so well and kind of magically. And so just always remember after every low, there's a high, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Mm, the sun shines brightest after a storm. Yes. You rock, Debbie. All right, guys, appreciate you taking the time to listen. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at the Get Start Pod. Also, uh, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcast app. Leave us a review. That would mean a lot. And with that said, I hope you all have a fantastic weekend. We'll talk to you next week.